Welcome to episode 31 of the Combat Review. In this episode, we kick off with a little bit of news from the past week in the world of MMA. We then move on to UFC's new deal with Venom that started yesterday or today. It started. We talk about it. Um, then we move on to what I think should be next for Dan Hooker in the lightweight division. Um, there we then talk about Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, and I'm not sorry about that. Uh, we then discuss this weekend's upcoming card on UFC on ABC2, which is headlined by Marvin Vittori versus, uh, almost said Darren Till. Of course, it's not Darren Till, versus Kevin Holland. So you can follow us on YouTube uh, at the Combat Review channel, on Instagram at the Combat Review podcast with all the underscores, and on Twitter at Combat Review. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the news section. I feel like I should have some sort of cheesy news introduction at this point, but I don't have one um, and I haven't found one yet. But I'll tell you what, I will, just for you guys. So we had some fight announcements come out Um this week, we've got the Korean Zombie taking on Dan Ige. That will headline a UFC event in June 19th, most notably or most probably a fight night. Can't see that headlining pay-per-view. Don't know about you guys. Uh, Rick Glenn versus Joaquin Silva, also on the same card June 19th. Interesting one in the heavyweight division. Alexander Volkov versus Cyril Garn will headline a UFC event on June 26th. Another fight night coming through. Um, Charles Rosa versus Justin James set for June 29th. Uh, and obviously the big news is that McGregor versus Poirier uh, has been confirmed for UFC 264 on the 10th of July, um, which we kind of already knew about. Um, but still, it's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of people giving their opinions leading up to that fight of how they think it's going to go. I gave my opinion on it, or my most recent opinion on it, uh, on the YouTube channel, and I'll put the link in the description so you can go and watch that. Um, but some interesting fights that have been announced there. We also got this week, uh, right at the right at the start, well, actually probably the end of last week, but since we last spoke, um, Leon Edwards will take on Nathan Diaz in the welterweight division. Um, that fight, I believe, from memory, has been uh, added to UFC 262. Was it 262? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. It wasn't 262. Where has that fight been added to? Really slowing down the news section by having to go through and have a look, aren't I? Um, Nate Diaz versus Leon. I hate Leon Edwards. I don't know if I mentioned that to you before. He is slightly unlike. He is UFC 262. I was right. So um, has been added to UFC 262, which will be the very first co-main event non-title fight for five rounds. And that is a bit of a tongue twister and you have got to think about it, um, but it will be the first non-title co-main event that will last five rounds. I think that was probably a stipulation that was put in for Nate Di uh, by Nate Diaz, just because he kind of takes a round or two to get going when he normally fights. Um, and it's, it's, it's probably not in his best interest to fight a three round fight against someone like Leon Edwards. So, um, I think the fact that he's put that in there 
um, is smart on Nate Diaz's part. I did speak about this on YouTube as well. I think that Nate Diaz has been very, very smart asking for Leon Edwards because he knows Leon Edwards will say yes because obviously Nate Diaz is a big name and for Leon Edwards to get more recognition and more star power and more people and more eyeballs looking at him, if he can beat Nate Diaz, then all of a sudden people go, oh, that Nate, that uh, that Leon Edwards must be good because he beat Nate Diaz and Nate Diaz beat Conor McGregor and that's just how that works. So I think it's very, very smart from Nate Diaz to do that because if he can beat Leon Edwards, all of a sudden he is perfectly within his rights to ask for a title shot because he will be sitting number two or number three in the welterweight division and the champion in the welterweight division, Kamara Usman, has fought everybody in that top five apart from Leon Edwards. So Nate Diaz is playing a very, very smart game. What Leon Edwards is doing is gambling it all on the fact that he can beat Nathan Diaz. And I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It gets my respect from Leon Edwards because he's willing to put it on the line, although he's more really doing it for the notoriety. And it gets my my respect for Nathan Diaz's smarts uh, in the fact that he can he can just kind of ride in right at the last minute, having fought no one in the top 15 uh, outside of George Masvidal, who he lost to, and all of a sudden be in line for a title shot. Now, stay with me on this. If George Masvidal beats Kamara Usman and Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, can you see where I'm going with this? We might get that rematch. So that's exciting as well. Um, the other bit of news, the other bit of news is that Paddy Pimblett, I suppose this is kind of old news now, but we haven't spoken since. Paddy Pimblett has signed with the UFC. Paddy Pimblett, of course, um, the Cage Warriors featherweight uh, and lightweight champion, I believe, um, has been uh, kind of the Cage Warriors is one of his main, one of their main guys. Um, over the last couple of years, has been approached by the UFC a few times when he was 21, 22, etc. like that. He said no. Um, and fresh off his victory last weekend at Cage Warriors, the, tri the trilogy, um, the UFC have come in and signed him. Uh, interesting that Graham Boylan did a, a little bit saying that, you know, we'll negotiate, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we sign Paddy and we'll make sure that he stays at Cage Warriors. <laughs> I don't know why he said that on TV when he is Paddy Pimblett's manager and he will have done the deal to get him in the UFC and he will get more money from him fighting in the UFC than he will if he fights in Cage Warrior. I, I if, you know, if you know that he's Paddy Pimblett's manager, then when you watch him say that, you know that there's no credence to what he's saying. But I guess if if you don't know that, then you think, oh, look, he's going to try and keep his guy. In any event, it's uh, it's good to see another Cage Warriors prospect pushed into the UFC, um, regardless uh, of, of obviously where they sit uh, and how good or not they are. Um, I think we'll find out very quickly if Paddy Pimblett is the real deal or not. Um, he is, I think, uh, his last five fights, he's lost two. Um, he obviously went through a bit of a, 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 a an odd patch that he discussed with Eric Harani recently as to um, mental state and, and, and sort of going through the fight business and wins and losses and how they affect you and stuff like that. So that was interesting. Um, but I think that's 
Cage Warriors 104th fighter they've put into the UFC. So if you're a up an up-and-coming talent and you are looking to get into the UFC, Cage Warriors does have a proven track record of pushing talent into the UFC. So that's probably where you need to be looking at going. Um, but Paddy Pimblett in the UFC, and we will see whether or not Scousers can get knocked out. So the Venom deal has begun. The Venom deal has begun. And we got our first look at what the fight kits will look at today. And I'll put some uh, images right about here. I got the kind of same feeling when I looked at the Reebok kits for the first time. That was kind of just, <sighs> okay. <laughs> I mean, there's only so many ways that you can make a kit look when you take into account that you've got 500 fighters under contract and that you will have to make kits for each of them. So if I want to go and buy a kit for a fighter that has fought twice in the UFC, they have to kind of cater for that to a certain extent. And there'll probably be a cutoff where, you know, they have to have fought three times for the promotion or something like that. But it's a huge expense and rollout for Venom to do. So it is advantageous for them to make the kits as simple as possible. The trouble is what runs parallel with that is people don't like them very much and they're a little bit dull. So do I begrudge the way the Venom kits look? No. Is it early days? Yes. We had the same with the Reebok where we went, okay, that's fine. That's a good starting point. Can we tweak that? Can we tweak that? Can we tweak that? So I'm not mad at the Venom kits per se. They're just didn't grab me. I didn't look at them and go, wow, they're fantastic. I'm going to go and buy one. Because that's the test, isn't it? If your UFC fan that's talking to you right now wants to go and buy the Venom stuff, then ticking the box success. Me, looking at the Venom stuff, I don't really want to run out there and go and buy them. And in fairness, there was a point with the Reebok kit where I kind of looked at it and thought, actually, they're quite cool. I wouldn't mind that jacket but I didn't end up buying them. So it's a tough market, but I like the fact the UFC have a uh, partner in Venom that are an MMA brand. I like that. Um, I think it kind of grabs the sport and brings it up in the asset with the, uh, with you, uh, as opposed to Reebok that's already kind of a, uh, a standard made brand and is now moving itself into the MMA space. So I like the fact that the UFC have chosen an MMA brand. How many choices did they have? I don't know. Why weren't Nike and Adidas involved? Did they table an offer? I don't know. Did they have conversations? I don't know. Um, what has been very quiet and very evident is that the UFC's deal with Reebok, the shoe deal with Reebok, that has kind of been muted. I haven't heard anything about it. The big Venom launch has happened, but there was just a, yep, yeah, they'll continue wearing Reebok shoes exit stage left so how much is that deal worth how long will it last for what happens after that we don't know the answer to these questions what we do know is we've got some fight kits we've got various different fight kits they are very similar to the Reebok kits just with a venom sign on them um but i'm not totally mad at them let's let's leave it at that so Dan Hooker is in need of a dance partner, and so is Rafael Dos Anjos. And I'm rubbing my hands in anticipation 
because that is a fight that I want to see. Obviously, we last saw Dan Hooker against Michael Chandler, where he got TKO'd uh, on Fight Island. He probably got knocked out. We'll call it a knockout. Let's give Chandler some credit. Uh, where he got knocked out on Fight Island, he then, of course, had to quarantine for like another 40 days or something before he went back to his family, took his gloves off in the cage, was very disappointed with himself, with his performance. Uh, and, you know, then he had to quarantine, as I said, for 40 days. It's, it's a lot to go through mentally for a 40-second fight, which actually what it is what it turned out to be. There was obviously a lot riding on that fight, um, and now he's seen Michael Chandler, the guy that knocked him out, walk straight into a title fight, which, let's be honest, had that have been Dan Hooker, that probably would have been him against Charles Oliveira, the way things panned out, but he wasn't to know that. So now we look at what's next for Dan Hooker, and when we look at kind of the rankings, um, Dan Hooker is number eight, and Rafael de Sanos somehow is number seven still. Conor McGregor sits number six. Uh, and then Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Charles Livia, Justin Gaethje, and Dustin Poirier. But that, when I look down the whole list, aside from Hooker versus Gaethje, which probably isn't going to happen because as we discussed in a previous video, Gaethje's probably going to sit. Dan Hooker versus RDA is a great fight. And now we've seen Dan Hooker against Paul Felder, which was an all-out war. We've seen Dan Hooker against Dustin Poirier, which was an all-out war. And we've seen RDA most recently against Paul Felder, which again was an all-out war. So when you ask me what fight am I most excited for in the lightweight division, there is a couple. But Paul Felder versus Rafael dos Anjos is definitely up there. There's so much you can do with that fight. You know, we've obviously got Connor and Dustin that's going down. We've got Oliviera versus Chandler that's going down. Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush is going down. I would like to see the winner of RDA and Dan Hooker fight the winner of Ferguson Dariush. Can you imagine Paul Felder versus Tony Ferguson or Tony Ferguson versus Dan Hooker? Those are some serious fights. And that lightweight division is just the gift that keeps on giving. What do you think? That, for me, opens a world of possibilities. Look how excited I am. Right. <clears throat> I hate myself for this, but I'm doing it. And there's a couple of reasons why I'm doing it. Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. <sighs> okay. So, as you know, Jake Paul will take on Ben Askren at some point in April, which is the month we're currently in, and I actually genuinely don't know the date, um, which is how much attention I've paid to this fight. I think it might be the 17th, but that's not 100% sure, and I'm sure you'll tell me. In any event, this is a raised a lot of talking points. And I understand all of them. They all make sense. Can Jake Paul beat Ben Askren? Well, Ben Askren, you know, he's an MMA guy, but he's predominantly a wrestler. You know, he's not a very good striker. If you watch his fights, he's, you know, Masvidal knocked him out with a knee and blah, 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 blah. What we're comparing here is a guy who makes videos for a living, amongst other things, Versus a guy who trained every day of his adult life. Various different disciplines. So he is in shape. More so he knows how to get in shape. He has fought over 25 times in MMA. 
He has had countless wrestling matches. He has punched, and I say punched and not boxed. He will have boxed. But Ben Askren has everything that he needs to beat Jake Paul at boxing. But make no mistake, this won't be a boxing match. And none of Jake Paul's boxing matches that have come before this have been boxing matches. I just went back and watched them. They were not boxing matches. They were punching fights with a lot of hugging. When I say a lot of hugging, I mean a lot of hugging. The referee on one of his fights against some basketball player or NFL player, who's Nate Robinson? I don't know. And people are probably screaming at me at the moment. I don't know who that is. I think he's a basketball player, but he looked quite short. So I don't know. But all that fight was, was two or three punches, and then they hugged each other. Well, you can't hug Ben Askren because he knows exactly how to manipulate your body. He knows how to control your neck, move your spine. That's all he trains at doing. So there'll be no dirty boxing from Jake Paul. So he's relying purely on the striking aspect. And his striking isn't very good. Is it good enough to beat up two YouTubers and a basketball player? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. What are we talking about? Is it good enough to beat the competitor, Ben Askren, who has been hit by much tougher men with much smaller gloves on? No, it's not. Jake Paul will not beat Ben Askren. He won't do it. He's not a boxer. He's a YouTuber. Ben Askren is a world-class athlete at in every sense of the word. This will not be an upset. Now, I will concede that the fact that Jake Paul's not a boxer, I'm not knocking him for that fact because he has gone in the ring and fought people. He has made money out of doing this. He has turned it into a bit of a career. He has kept himself relevant, but he's not a boxer. And I don't think he should be trying to be. I have yet to see him box. And I, I, I don't mean that as an insult. It might come across as it, and I don't care if it does, but I've yet to see him box. Go and watch his fights. He hasn't boxed. They're effectively uh, pub car park fights with a referee. They're sloppy. Now, Ben Askren is not the world's most gifted striker by any means. But my God, he's got enough to beat Jake Paul. And if he hasn't, then I don't know what I don't know what we're doing here. I really don't. Um, so my thoughts on the fight, I don't know how many rounds it is. I don't know if they're wearing, I assume they're not wearing head, uh, head guards. I don't know how many rounds it is. I don't know where it is. I don't know who sanctioned it. I don't know who the commission is. I don't know who the commentators are. I don't know who the sponsors are. I don't know any of that. What I do know is Ben Askren will not lose to Jake Paul in a boxing match when Jake Paul cannot box. And I'm... <laughs> I might look stupid, but I don't think I will. And I'm not a fan of these types of fights. 
you know, I will concede there is a huge market for it. You know, it's got me talking about it. It's genuinely got me wanting to tune in and actually watch it. But I don't want to watch it for the reasons that most people want to watch it. I don't like the fact that people will think Jake Paul's really good at boxing. But I guess that's the uneducated person. That would be like me watching a standard person do ballet all right. And me going, oh, I'll tell you what, they're pretty good at that ballet. Ballet with someone else looking at it going, that was terrible. It's the same thing. But I'm not mad at these. I don't like them. I don't like these types of fights. But I'm not mad at them. I understand they have their place. Um, they do get the mandate of the masses. They do get people talking about them. This one, I prefer this one to, for example, uh, your your Logan Paul versus KSI. Two people who genuinely can't fight, fighting each other. That's fine. Either one of them could win. I don't particularly care. This one carries some weight because it's a professional fighter versus a non-professional fighter. So it's a little bit of a different... Um, context to it where you look at perhaps randy couture versus james tony it had that kind of freak factor where you wanted to watch it you were kind of like hmm, this is quite interesting i wonder what will happen so they do have their place i'm not mad at them but i can't be any clearer than this jake paul will not beat ben Askren. ben Askren is a world-class competitor in every sense of the word and Jake Paul is not. Knocking out a basketball player who was trying to hug you the whole time is not impressive. And I'm pretty certain I'm not going to look like an idiot in a couple of weeks' time. What do you think? Do you think I'm on the right track? Or do you think I'm full of it? Righty-ho. Righty-ho. So the UFC returns this weekend after a little week off. Um, we don't see these week off uh, weeks off that, that often during the calendar year. Um, they are uh, certainly a rare breed. But the UFC returns this weekend uh, with UFC on ABC2, which is headlined by Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Holland. Of course, Darren Till was supposed to take on Marvin Vittori. Um, Darren Till broke his collarbone. And now we will get arguably um, just as good a fight, to be honest. And I guess the only reason it's not is because I am British and want to watch Darren Till fight. But if I wasn't, I don't think I'd be mad at this at all. Um, and I guess the people listening in America, you can kind of uh, attest to that better than me. But from my point of view, the main event is still a bloody good main event. And it's still something I'm going to be tuning into and watching. So we look forward to this card and we'll run through it quickly for your uh, listening pleasure. So Platinum Mike Perry returns, which is a little bit annoying because we were going to get Mike Perry and Darren Till on the same card. Uh, and they obviously have been going back and forth for a while. And at one point it was quite ugly, but it's most recently uh, turned a little bit comical. And I think, I think they're kind of friends. So the thing with Platinum Mike Perry, he's shrouded in controversy um and his record is a little bit ugly but he is very fun to watch and he is never in a boring fight you know if we look at his last i don't know seven or eight fights 
They lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio, lost to Max Griffin, beat Paul Felder somehow, lost to Donald Cerrone, beat Alex Oliveira, lost to Vincente Luca, lost to Jeff Neal, beat Mickey Gall, which, fine, uh, and a loss to Tim Bean. So, very spattering record. We haven't seen him since November of 2020. Um, so, sort of seven or eight months he's been sitting for. Uh, and he returns this weekend taking on Daniel Rodriguez. And Daniel Rodriguez is uh, about to enter his fifth fight in the UFC versus Perry. And his last fight was a loss to Nicholas Dalby, uh, also in November of 2020. So they've had the same amount of gap in their last fights. This is probably a pretty good level of competition for uh, Mike Perry. Um, obviously, he hasn't been cut yet because, to be honest, he's just a little bit interesting and people quite like watching him fight. Um, so that'll be a fun one. Next, we have uh, Nina Ansaroff. Um, who takes on Mackenzie Dern um, in the <clears throat> excuse me in the women's strawweight division? Mackenzie Dern, of course, uh, most recently came off a uh, a victory versus Jan Diroba, which was actually a very good fight back at UFC 256. It was quite a close run thing, uh, if I remember correctly, but the de the decision went to. Uh, Mackenzie Dern. Nina uh, Ansaroff, of course, uh, we know her. Oddly, it's quite a bad thing to say. She's been in the UFC for the last, uh, in the last seven fights since 20, uh, 2014, but we know her best as she is Amanda Nunes's partner. Um, we kind of um, know her best for that, but she actually is active and is fighting in the UFC. So it will be interesting to see how she gets on. She lost to Tatiana Suarez last time out back at UFC 238. Uh, now we move on to Sam Alvey versus Julian Marquez. Sam Alvey, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, smiling Sam Alvey uh, has lost um, four out of his last five fights. His last fight was a draw, a split decision draw to uh, Da Eun Jung at UFC 254 back in October of 2020. So smiling Sam Alvey, uh, of course, a bit of a UFC veteran, has been around since 2014 and has fought an awful lot. Um, it will be uh, interesting to see how long he can survive in the UFC. Julian Marquez, on the flip side, came through um, Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he has a victory over Darren the Dentist Stewart. Um, and his last fight out was a victory against Makey Pitolo uh, at UFC 258. So fought as recently as February, and he's back in action against Smiling Sam Alvey. The co-main event, um, a good one for the Brits here. Um, Arnold Allen <clears throat> takes on uh, Sadiq Youssef in the featherweight division. It should be quite a fun one. Yusuf's, uh, again, a product of the Contender Series back in 2018. Um, undefeated in the UFC, uh, notable victories over Andre Feely in his last fight. I do like Andre Feely, but I kind of feel that he's perhaps not as good as we thought he was. Um, Arnold Allen also undefeated in the UFC. Uh, Seven-fight win streak in the company at the moment. Uh, last victory was against Nick Lentz. He's also beat people like Gilbert Melendez uh, and Makwan Amir Khani. So this is kind of a really good fight uh, for the co-main event. Is kind of who's O's going to go, um, which is uh, is a very interesting one. So looking forward to that. Uh, as far as the main card goes on ABC, this is a really fun one. I think it's a really really good card to put on ABC. Um, I think they're quite careful about the cards that they pick to go on cable television um, just because obviously they want to get the the best results 
um, and the most fun fights for the average viewer to kind of get them into the sport. So it makes a lot of sense that this card is is kind of set up the way it is. Um, there's a big list of prelim fights as well. Um, I think we've got nine prelim fights. People like Jim Miller are on there. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're really sort of rolling it out, uh, as it were. So we, of course, move to the main event, which was supposed to be Darren Till, as discussed a second ago, and will, in fact, be uh, Kevin Holland taking on Marvin Vittori. This is a bit of a funny one because Marvin Vittori has uh, came into the UFC, had a draw. He then fought Israel Adesanya before Israel Adesanya was the champ um, and ended up losing a very close split decision. So you could tell he had talent. Comes in, majority draw, split decision against the now um, middleweight champion, and uh, he then put, went on a four-fight win streak, most notably beating Jack Hermanson. But when you look at the UFC rankings in the middleweight division, Marvin Vittori hasn't fought that many people inside the top 15, outside of the champion and Jack Hermanson. So it leaves a lot of decent fights for Marvin Vittori. Should he win this against Kevin Holland? Is he ready for a title shot? No. I mean, is he ready is probably the wrong the wrong thing to say. Do I want to watch him in a title fight? I do not. Um, and that's not really a knock on him. I just think there are some juicier fights out there um, than Marvin Vittori versus Israel Adesanya, a fight that we have already seen once. I don't think um, Israel Adesanya would be keen on fighting a guy that he beat by split decision, um, and he won't be keen on fighting a guy that he's already beat especially one that won't draw as much as perhaps a Darren Till would um, or perhaps as a Robert Whittaker would, even though he has already fought Robert Whittaker. From Kevin Holland's point of view, um, obviously the big thing was called Big Mouth. Um, I think Kevin Holland's fantastic. I know people were a bit down on his last performance. They thought it was a bit weird the way he was carrying on, and I understand that, but people weren't saying that when he was winning. So why are they saying that when he was losing? If he's behaving in the same fashion, he's fun, he's entertaining, he's one of those fighters that's not going to win every fight, but he's going to show up every fight and he's going to try to to win every single fight. So I love Kevin Holland. I think he's great. I don't know if I've mentioned that once or twice before, um, but you know he's won five in a row. He then lost to Derek Brunson. He's now taken a fight again on two weeks' notice. So Kevin Holland, to put this into context for you, will have fought seven times in under a year. He'll have fought seven times in 10 months. That, for a UFC fighter, is extraordinary. Normally, you fight three times a year, four if you're lucky and fit. Kevin Holland is about to fight seven times in 10 months, regardless of the wins, losses, etc., etc. That is exceptional and it says something about the guy who's willing to just step up for the company and I will admit there is a small amount of financial gain in it for himself which I'm sure he would have extenuated because the UFC needed him but how many other middleweights are willing to just step up on that short notice not that many so Kevin Holland needs to be commended for that as for who do I want to win I think I want Kevin Holland to win I really do you know, you look at that middleweight division, you've got Whitaker and Costa, who have both fought for the belt. Jared Cannonier, who's a bit dull. 
Um, Derek Brunson, who is, let's be honest, still the gatekeeper. Darren Till, who's just broken his collarbone, who would have been next in line. Marvin Vittori. Yeah. I want Kevin Holland to win and slide into that top five. I'd also like to see Darren Till versus Kevin Holland. I'd like to see Darren Till versus Derek Brunson. There's some good fights in that middleweight division. Um, but the path to Israel Adesanya, I don't think if you're Marvin Vittori, you can go through Kevin Holland and get there. Um, if you're Kevin Holland, I don't think you can go through Marvin Vittori and get there. So as far as who's fighting Israel Adesanya next, it's not one of these two. That was episode 31. Thank you very much for listening. As I said at the top of the show, you can follow us on Instagram at the Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores, on Twitter at Combat Review, and on YouTube at the Combat Review channel. All the links are in the, excuse me, all the links are in the bio uh, underneath the episode. And I will see you next time on episode 32, where I will be joined by, if he can pull his finger out, Tom Green. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.